it's, it's always good to come back amongst family and to watch just what God is doing here. Um, I talked a little bit first service about that, but it just, every, getting back up here at this time after watching you all just bless Luke and Anna is just so cool. Um, it, it does, it warms my soul and it, I, I'm just kind of humbled and excited to, to be here and to share some of what God is doing um, in my life, in my family's life, um, but just the strength of this church and the sending power that comes from this church and the commitment um, to equipping those who are young with things of the faith. And so uh, I just, I'm so excited to see that. And so for those of you who, who don't know me, and I, I talk a little about that, and you're like, why is this guy talking like that? It's, uh, my name is Kyle Davies. I served here on staff for three years as the student pastor. I worked with sixth through 12th grade students um, and then was able to work um, with all families for a short time. And so when I come back um, to, to gatherings like this, it is just so cool to, to see what God is doing, to catch up with some of you um, who have known us for a long while, me and my family. I have a wife um, and two kids, Xavier, who is four, and Mia, who is two and a half, and then a third on the way due in October. And so I'm going to talk about church planning and what God's doing in the Pacific Northwest, and the quickest way to grow churches have another kid. So, uh, so we're, we're, we're committed to doing that. Um, and so then some of you who, who may not know me, um, and I, I don't know you, um, I just, I'm thankful for you. Um, I'm thankful that you're here, and I, I would love to get to know you. And so during the next several minutes, what I want to do is, for those of you who know us, I, I want to help catch you up to, what, to what's been going on in our lives. And for those of you who maybe don't know us, I just want to kind of introduce uh, myself and share our story about what God's been doing. And so, but to frame up our time, what I would like to do is I'd like to begin with a verse. And the verse begin is, is in John chapter 1, verse 14. If you don't know where that is, just kind of open your Bible, slide over a little bit, and it'll be in the first chapter. And I love how John begins his, his account of Jesus' life. He opens it up in just this beautiful prologue about the glory of of God, how Jesus is just life and light. And then he comes to this verse, which I just want to frame up my story and what God is doing in the Pacific Northwest as for my family and I being church planners and missionaries, really to be framed up um, around this verse this morning. And it goes like this, the word became flesh, referring to Jesus, and took up residence among us, and we observed his glory, the glory as the one and the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. So Ruth and I, we, we met at a, in eastern Kentucky at a small university called Kentucky Christian University. And there we, we met and were married. And very quickly we made our way to Lexington, Kentucky to this church, Centerpoint Christian Church, where this was our first ministry in our early years in marriage. 
And here this church nurtured us and loved us well. And they watched us grow up in some sense. And two of our kids were born. Xavier and Mia were both born right here in Lexington. But as we were coming to the conclusion of our third year of ministry here, we felt God um, kind of changing direction us. We, we had bought a house. We had set up shop here. We had taken up residence here. But God was beginning to do a new thing in our soul and begin kind of directing our eyes towards church planning. And all that church planning is, is, is starting new churches. And for all intents and purposes, you could consider us missionaries to where the Pacific Northwest. And so we begin exploring we began seeking God's direction and begin to discern where in the world was God sending us. And so we did some times of exploration and some preparation. And we got connected with a guy named George Johnson, who's the executive director of an organization called the Christian Evangelistic Association. And they plant churches in the Pacific Northwest. And as I got to, to know George and hear his spew as I traveled with him and got to know with him. I always remember him saying, hey, I'm George from Macedonia. Come over and help us, alluding to the book of Acts, where there's an unchurched region and inviting really the apostle Paul to come over and start new churches there. And so I got to know George, and he invited us out to the Pacific Northwest to consider planting a church. So about uh, a year plus ago, we flew out to the Pacific Northwest. See, we had, in engaging with George, we had heard some of the statistics. I believe I have a slide about some of those statistics. We had heard George talk about the city of Portland in particular, where there's 2.8 million people in the metro area. Where this city in particular, 90% of people have no affiliation with Jesus Christ or his church. And then specifically the county that we have taken up residence in, that we have moved to out in Vancouver, Washington, just across the river from Portland, Oregon. There are only five Bible-believing churches for every 10,000 people, while the national average is 24 Bible-believing churches for every 10,000 people. And then according to Huffington Post, it's considered the least religious city in the United States. And in that article, they talk about Portland, and that's the re, being least religious, and they talk about it braggingly. They are boasting in that it is very unreligious. And so we had heard these statistics. We had met George, an opportunity to go start a church. And so when we flew out there, I remember Ruth saying, it feels like we're going to meet family. And there we, we've met some family. We've met some fast family. We're not from there. I'm from Ohio. She's from eastern Kentucky. But then as we moved there last summer, July 2017. Center Point was part of our move there. They, they are one of our sending churches. They have faithfully supported us and have sent us there to start a new church. And so we moved there, and we've been there now about 10 full months. And so I want to give you a snapshot and through some pictures for as we have landed on the ground, some of the kind of sights, not really the smells, but some of the sights um, that, that we have seen and really kind of experienced. And over the, I'm going to tell some stories, but I think some of these pictures may give you a glimpse into some of, some of our life there. So I have one picture. Yeah, there's our family. Uh, I go, Greg, go to the one with the mountain. Um, we are moving to an area, and that's kind of when we look out of our windows, when we kind of get out and about in Vancouver, Washington, that's, we see Mount Hood right there, very regular. It is very green. Um, 
So it's a very beautiful area, and we, we love it. We have learned to love it. Um, but as we have landed in Vancouver, we've landed at a church plant called The Branch. The Branch is just a few years old, and this is a, a picture of one of our Sunday gatherings. We meet around tables. We, we eat together pretty much every week. We launched our second service at Easter. We average about 110 on weekdays. And the branch's mission is simple, is to know Jesus and make him known. And through their events, things like the Family Fun Fest, where they put on this big community block party where 2,500 people came to, to help that 90% go from 90 to 89 to 88, to 87. And so they're, they're a young church plant. We've been adopted by Dave and Lori Vigna, the lead planners of the branch. And actually right now, um, as you all sit in this um, beautiful building, as you guys celebrate um, the addition being completed, uh, I remember when that was a dream, and so it's super excited to see that, that completed. Um, they are actually in the process of setting all of that up right now. Every week, we set up pipe, drape, tables, chairs, children's ministry, classrooms. We get a trailer, we back it up to the building, and we unload it all. And so we get there about two hours early um, before service time to unload it. So that as people come through the doors, as they grab a cup of coffee, as they grab some food, we're trying to present Jesus. We're trying to make him known and help people know Jesus better. And so that's one of the areas we've landed. And so let me kind of get zoom out a little bit. And so that's zoomed in on the specific gathering. I have a map so you kind of get geographically where, um, where we actually are. And so that little dot right there is where the branch is meeting there in the Portland area. Where I'll talk in a little bit about Salmon Creek. We're, that's clear up in the top. That's where we're specifically looking at planting. Tell you a little bit about the Salmon Creek area. We dropped a pin at the... Washington State University's extension campus. Within three square miles, there's 85,000 people. As we've done some of our demographic studies and we've learned about the area, there are only seven Bible-believing churches for 85,000 people within that three square miles. And that includes all denominations and all backgrounds. Seven churches for 85,000 people. And so that's one of the reasons why we have selected that area. The branch, as one of our sending churches, intends to send about 20 or 30 people to help us start and get a core team. And our vision and our plan is we will have some sort of public services next fall. But everything that we've been doing since we've landed there has not been directed towards a public Sunday service. But more to, or less, essentially all we want to do is help people engage with Jesus. So let me give you a snapshot of what that looks like for us going forward. When we get back from this two-week trip here, we're going to move to that Salmon Creek area. We're having to look for an apartment or a house to rent. The average house costs there are upwards of $500,000 if we were to purchase a home. And as we land there, we want to continue to do some of what we've done, like the branch has done before us, just to invest in the community to build up people and, and to help them engage with Jesus, to help them find Jesus, and to help them to really make Jesus known. And there's some things that we're going to do towards that. I just got confirmation this week that one of the things that we're going to do this fall specifically for the community is a, what's called a generosity feeds event. 
Now, you all here are plugged in with a backpack program here at some local elementary schools where you provide food to hungry kids. We're going to do that on a large scale. We're, we're going to have about 450 people come in and pack meals for hungry kids for weekends. We're going to do that th- this fall. And we've got some money that's been donated to go forward and do that. And what's incredible about this event is really, I think it's after God's heart. It's part of the mission of Jesus. But about the 450 people that are projected to show up, about 400 of them will be non-Christians. 400 of them will not be connected to a church, will not have really any interest in Jesus. But I'm convinced that as people join in the mission of Jesus, they will meet Jesus. And so that is some of what we are aspiring to do in the Pacific Northwest, is do causal things that allow people to join in and serving and loving others and in the process discover God's heart and eventually meet Jesus. And so what does that look like practically for for Ruth, for me, for for our family? Is I'm going to talk about this area that we have come to know and love called 24-hour fitness. And as I tell some of the stories about this place that's become near and dear to our heart, here's what I'm after is not that you get after our, our practices and try to repeat the practices that we're going to share, but that you learn and understand the principles behind the practices so that I firmly believe that some of the stuff that we are doing in the Pacific Northwest, that you can do that here. This is not a church planner, Kyle and Ruth thing. We, because of our personality, we can do that. But I firmly believe because you have the Holy Spirit of God dwelling within you, that you can do a lot of the same stuff right here in your neighborhood, in this city, and serve and love people well. And so hear the principle, not the practice completely. So let me tell you about this place, 24-hour fitness. Ruth got a part-time job there um, quickly after we moved because we wanted to be amongst people. And we've had to think of like a startup and a way to just engage people. And so we've taken our ministry pattern from Christ. I read that verse 14 where it says, the word became flesh and took up resonance among us. I love how the message says it. Jesus became flesh and bone and moved into the neighborhood. He, he moved into the neighborhood. He took up residence. And so we've aspired to do the same thing. So we've tried to see what does it look like to love our neighborhood and its culture to help people experience Jesus. And the Pacific Northwest is an active area. Almost every time you run into someone, you talk to someone, they're they're decked out in their Nike swag because Nike's close in Portland, but they, they join a gym. They're part of a gym. They're part of a running club. And so part of what it looks like for us to embed in our culture in Vancouver is we joined a gym. And we're learning to love that. My wife loves to run. I don't. My wife loves to be active. I'm learning to like to be active. Um, uh, There's a lot of outdoor stuff. There's a lot of hiking. You saw the mountain. There's a lot of hiking and skiing and, and outdoorsy stuff. I'm not necessarily an outdoor person. But, but I'm learning to embrace it. Because I think as we sense our growing marginalization within the wider culture as Christians, 
It's all too easy to view culture as a threat, to view it as an enemy. But viewing the culture around you as a threat is not a good starting point for reaching people with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so I've had to learn what it looks like to love being active and working out and running. And so I play basketball there four or five days a week to just get around people. Because here's what you have to understand. I I threw some of those statistics up there. But we found that church is a foreign concept in the Pacific Northwest. We can't talk about Jesus in the church and just assume that people are going to know what that means and understand the proper, proper biblical framework. So everything has to be explained. Here, here's what I mean is, as Ruth has worked at 24-hour fitness, she's um, befriended um, a lady named Ty, and Ty is an absolutely incredible woman. Um, when Ruth comes to 24-hour fitness, she has to make time, make sure she talks to our unborn child to know that Miss Ty loves Avery Scott and is super excited. She, she sees our kids and she, she hugs them, she embraces them, she loves our family so well. But she asks so great, she asks really good questions. She asks questions like, how'd you end up here? You don't sound like you're from around here. Can you tell me more about this church planning thing? Like, what is that? Why, why here? Why, why start a new church? Essentially, why Jesus? And we're able to have really good conversations about what it looks like to pursue and follow Jesus. I think of one of the encounters that, that I've had as we've embedded ourselves in 24-hour fitness is one of my friends named Uber. That is his name. Um, Uber, Uber's a great dude. Um, he works in construction. Um, we play ball together pretty, pretty often, but I missed a week of playing ball because I was traveling. And so we, we played ball, I was, I, and I got back, and we were there shooting, and he's like, man, where were you last week? And I said, man, I had to travel for work. And he said, sweet, what do you do? Now, you understand my response to this question can, can probably change the conversation. Will I openly admit, hey, I am a pastor here to plant a church, or will I kind of skirt around the question, knowing that the, the typical view of the Pacific Northwest is that they're, they're anti-Christian. And so, I, to be honest, I'm very transparent with why we're there and what we're doing. And so I tell, hey, Uber, I'm a pastor. And he goes, a pastor of what? And I say, of a church. And his next question was, so do you wear a collar? Thinking the only framework for Christianity or church in his head is the vision of a Catholic priest who wears a collar, who wears a frock. That's, that's the only picture of, of a pastor of Christianity and church he has in his head. And what's super cool is because I would have a later conversation is he was shocked that I was a pastor and I was young, and so that, that was a whole other conversation. But he runs up and down the court telling people that we've befriended, that we play ball together. Hey, Kyle's a pastor. How cool is that? And so he's, he's not even a Jesus follower, and he's being an advocate for me. A couple months later, we're, I, I'm not sure how the, this, that presentation went, how those conversations get. We, we have a lot of conversations like that. 
And I'm never sure quite how they land because there's not a neat bow at the end of it. Like, oh, this person's now saved or this person's now baptized and everything's now, it's, it's now neat and clean and they're followers of Jesus. And so everything's kind of in progress. And so I'm not sure how this conversation sat with Uber and how it's sitting with some of the other guys. And, um, but we, we talk, we're still friendly. They still like me, I still like them. And we're, we're having this conversation. A couple months later, the, the ball goes out of bounds. We're on the court. Ball goes out of bounds. And of course, when the ball goes out of bounds in a pickup game, everyone's jockeying for, who, you know, kind of, oh, one other team, my team, you know, it's, it's our ball. And this time was different because all nine guys on the court turned and looked at me and they said, Kyle, Uber said, Kyle, who'd the ball go out on? I'm like, I don't know. I'm not even sure I saw the play. I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm playing defense over here. Like, what? Well, I don't know. And, and, and I was like, why do you ask? I'm not sure if I saw it. And he goes, well, Kyle, you're the only honest one here. Tell us who the ball went out on. <laughs> and I, I don't say that because it's like, oh, Kyle's all honest and stuff. But, but as you embed yourself in your neighborhood, <laughs> and your community, and your workplace. And as you pursue and follow Jesus, people will see something different in you. They will see something different in you. And when the timing is right, they will call that out. And you will have an opportunity to proclaim Christ in that moment. And just as Jesus entered into our culture by being human, we must enter into the culture around us. And so for us, we joined a gym. For you, I don't know what that looks like, but I hope you consider what it looks like to enter into the world around you. Because the verse goes on in John 1.14, it says, we observed his glory. See, our missional cutting edge, our mission of Jesus' posture is not events that are like the culture, but a life and message that are unlike the culture. It's a life and message that are unlike the culture. And I'm going to project some of what we're trying to do onto you that, and hope to spur you on and encourage you that you can do it through Christ. You can do this. Because even though people aren't looking for God, He sent Jesus looking for them. And Christians, if the presence of Christ is in you, then you best let Jesus work through you. And people are often attracted to the Christian community before they're attracted to the Christian message. And so this doesn't necessarily mean inviting people to a Sunday service. It actually means introducing them to our network of relationships in the context of ordinary life. Inviting both our Christian and non-Christian friends together for a meal, for an evening out. And I think it's, I say that, and I think it's hard for us to grasp this significance because we live in a radically individualized society. We live in an individualistic culture. And to not just say that anecdotally, but to say this, in a recent study by a health insurer, Cigna, over 50% of Americans feel lonely and that, no one's know, and that no one knows them well. Christians, what an opportunity to be observed and to engage with our culture to be known, and to know others well. But the tendency is to bring this individual culture into the church. 
so that it shapes our understanding. And so we, we go to church on Sunday, but then we go back to living our lives the rest of the week. And so we approach mission, I would suggest, in three very practical ways. That we build relationships with people. That we share the gospel with them. And then we include them in our community. And just to say that this is not what you should do, but this is what we are trying to practice as well. I have a few pictures. Xavier had a birthday party about, couple, about a month ago. And at that birthday party, I, just, I love these pictures. These are some pictures from the branch, and then I'll stop at this one here. Between those two pictures, about 50% of the people there are non-Christians who we've met at 24-hour fitness. About 50% of the people in the room are people from the branch, our church. And what a beautiful thing it was to just throw a birthday party, invite both worlds to connect, and watch God just do the work. To hear conversations, kind of overhearing, listening, about, hey, how do you connect to Kyle and Ruth? How are you connected to Kyle? Oh, we, well, we go to church with him. Oh, we met at a family fun fest. Oh, well, we go, go to the gym with him. We run with him. And to watch these conversations take place and so that people who don't know Jesus meet Christians who are trying to follow Jesus and to see that well. And they observe that interaction and to watch that. And again, there's no resolution. We're still in progress with this. But knowing those names of the people in the picture, it's just watching them get closer and closer to Jesus. So here's the thing. You live in a neighborhood. And let me ask you, is your life open? Get even more practical. Is your garage door open? You are there in your neighborhood, in your house, for the good. And when people observe you, what do they observe? Do they see someone who is trying to purposely follow Jesus? Because as the people observed Jesus in the first century, they noticed that he was full of grace and truth. And you may be thinking or asking, if you're advocating for us to live an open life, to engage with the culture, how do we guard against the sinful tendencies, the the, the messy situation as we enter into our culture? We know there are things that we shouldn't do, but yet when we're around people that do those things that we think we're not supposed to do, like how does that work itself out? Well, I would say that's the right idea, but wrong question. And you can get mad at me because I would just push that question in your head to begin with. But, but I think the better question is what does it look like to pursue Jesus in the midst of culture? See, let's not be known for building walls to protect our lives from the outside, but let's be known for clearing a path to Jesus Let's not be known for trying to protect our lives from the rest of the world, but known for, in the midst of the world, pursuing Jesus. And I, and I got to tell you, this is not an easy thing, living in the Pacific Northwest. A couple weeks ago, I had to preach a sermon on biblical marriage. And there, as I looked in the audience, as, as I called for, for wives to submit to their husbands and husbands to love their wives as Christ loved the church, a difficult topic in its own right. 
I look out into the audience and see those who are single and have left their husbands and wives for just no apparent reason because they felt like it. To see those in the audience who are struggling with what does it look like to follow Jesus and be married to a woman? What does that look like to to pursue Jesus in that way, to, to, to adhere to the biblical marriage and framework in that way, but yet I have this partner who I've been with for a long time. That's, that's not an easy thing. It's not, it's not how, how do you sort that out? I don't know. All I know is we are called to pursue Jesus and allow him to work in our life, allow him to work in us, and allow him to work through us and to sort some of those things out. See, our culture wants to pit grace against truth. But when we pursue Jesus, it leads to a life of holiness because Jesus is holy. He's set apart unlike any other. Sometimes when we think of holiness, we think legalists. But holiness is the distinctness of embodying grace and truth. I'm not saying balance grace and truth, but embodying grace and truth. And when we do this, the holiness of God, the grace and truth of Jesus Christ knows no bounds. See, when we're consumed by the truth of God, of the grace of God, by the grace of God, the truth of God will be lived out in our life. And it defines our friendships, it defines our marriages, our work, our leisure, our finances, our politics. See, holiness, grace, and truth embodied is as much about what you do on a Sunday morning at a church gathering as you do Monday morning on the factory floor. It's as much about what you do when you're holding a steering wheel as when you're holding a Bible. See, we serve a God who gave up the splendor of heaven and moved into a hellhole on earth where he was beaten, mocked, judged, killed, and, dest- and eventually died so that we can observe a fully righteous, glorious, gracious, and truthful God. And so my guess is that most people in this room like many in the Pacific Northwest, are just trying to live their lives, get by, raise their kids, get to retirement. Maybe you're not looking for God. Maybe those around you aren't looking for God. But here's the good news. God is looking for them. God is looking for you. And if you're not a Christian here this morning, I I'm going to speak somewhat boldly on behalf of this church. But this church wants you to experience the love of God. They want to see your life connected to Jesus and connected to other people. So that you can see transformation and you can experience just the hope and the love that comes from being connected with our Savior and Lord, Jesus Christ. So where you live, work, and play... Christians. It's not an accident. Yes, you won't live a life full of grace and truth, but I promise you, as you pursue Jesus, his grace and truth will shine through. So as you pursue this life of grace and truth, as you pursue Jesus and allow that to shine through, the key question this morning is, can you say why? Can you give reason for the hope that you have in Jesus that transcends the everyday mundane of life? So I ask that question some as 
out of personal bias. Because as we have contextualized this mission, this plea for us in Vancouver, that's, that's a way in which we articulate it. That we want to expand the good of God's family through everyday life with everyday people. And so we have prayed, we have dreamed, and we have joined God in what he is doing in the Pacific Northwest. And I thank you for your love, your prayer, and your support here at Centerpoint Christian Church. And I would just have you consider, at this time as I wrap up, that maybe those of you who have heard this for the first time, that you consider joining us and partnering with us. Maybe for some of you, it's not partnership with us, but partnership with this church and doing those very same things, taking up residence, allowing your life to be observed, and pursuing Jesus right here in central Kentucky. And so just to make you aware, we have some prospectus. We have a list that you can sign up for our monthly newsletter out on a table. If you would like to learn more, I'll be around and you can ask me questions. But my plea with you today is pursue Jesus. Allow him to shine through and watch what God does with it. Let me pray. Father in heaven, I just, I'm so thankful for this church. I'm so thankful for the work that you are doing here. God, I'm, I'm so thankful for the lives that have been changed by this church. God, I pray a blessing on them going forward. That maybe it's through things like Kids Camp and other events that kids and families would come to know the love of Jesus. Thank you for your love and your grace towards us. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.